Hello, Feisties, and welcome to the second episode of the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast, where we gather trusted information so women can feel and perform their best. I'm Sarah Gross, and each week I'll be talking to experts, leaders, and other advocates to cut through the BS and bring vetted information to active women. This podcast is a production of Feisty Media. Okay, Feisties, so for this second episode, I wanted to start where we left off last spring with the, the inaugural Feisty Women's Performance Summit. We had noticed that there was kind of a lack of good information for active women, for women in sports, but also active women more broadly, that the fitness industry was basically rife with misinformation, trying to sell us bullshit products that were going to solve problems that we didn't really have. And we recognized the need to create a space where we could vet experts and bring them in and actually deliver good information to women and to folks who are working with active women, whether that's fitness trainers or coaches. And so that's what we did at the Performance Summit last year. And we're going to do it again this year, which I'll talk about a bit later. But for now, I want to present to you today one of our keynotes from last year's summit. And while we had some absolutely incredible speakers at last year's summit, like Myrna Valerio and Dr. Stacy Sims, I wanted to start with this one by Taylor Tracy. Taylor Tracy is a former pro volleyball player who struggled herself with an eating disorder and the founder of the Virago Project. Virago incidentally means a female warrior. Love that. And it's a nonprofit organization that focuses on mental health, self-care, and empowerment for all women athletes. Taylor's presentation at the summit was aptly named Fuck Diet Culture, um, a name that I loved. And I wanted to start with that on our second episode of the podcast because it really outlines precisely how culture affects us on every level. It can affect our nutrition, our mental health, and even our ability to do the things that we want to do. And one of my goals with this podcast is to help undo many of the harmful things we've been taught about what we are physically capable of as women. If we can undo that, then the sky's the limit in terms of what we can do at any age in terms of performance, especially with a whole new rich amount of research coming out of various corners about female performance. And I want to replace some of the harmful things that we've internalized from our cultural environment with tangible ways that we can become more confident through movement. I immediately thought of Taylor's amazing presentation from our summit because she starts by talking about diet culture and how it affects our identity and can take away from what we think we can achieve and how diet culture conveys a thin ideal that sort of teaches women to literally shrink instead of getting stronger and becoming leaders. Taylor also explains how we've all internalized this kind of like the beauty standards of our culture, which for many of us include that sort of thin ideal and talks about how if we can get over that or overcome that, we can start to focus more on the things that matter. I personally just absolutely loved every part of this presentation, and I know that you will too. And even those who were at the summit last year, if you haven't listened since then, this presentation is absolutely incredible. But before we get to it, I need to tell you that this year's Feisty Women's Performance Summit, the tickets are now on sale. So the summit's virtual, and it's March 25th to 27th. 
And like last year, we will be gathering experts into one place in order to educate everyone about how to get the best of our bodies in our four pillars, physiology, nutrition, mental health, and culture. We have a couple of amazing speakers lined up that I'm going to save for next week to announce. But I do want to say that myself and our team have a track record of creating an amazing vibe on on Hopin, uh, which is the platform we use for the summit. So it's not just a Zoom call. Uh, there's lots of other things happening. We have an expo. We have online networking. Uh, so we really try to create a community online over the course of the weekend. Tickets are only $99 for the weekend pass or $149 for the all-access pass. To purchase a ticket, head on over to womensperformance.com where you'll find all the info and you can purchase a ticket there. As we head into summer, rest and recovery are critical for improving sports performance, reducing stress, and living a long and healthy life. We should all invest in better sleep. So think about the thing you lay your head on for eight hours a night. If it's not exactly right for you, it can lead to needless tossing and turning, or worse, have you waking up with an unrelenting kink in your neck. My new Lagoon pillow has helped me improve my sleep immensely by pairing me with the performance pillow that has everything I need. So I personally was matched with the Otter pillow, shout out to Team Otter, which I love because it has a gentle cooling effect. And I was able to choose how much stuffing I wanted in it, which is super important to me because I'm doing a decent amount of CrossFit these days and my shoulders are kind of creaky. So having a pillow that is stuffed just to the right height keeps my neck and head in exactly the right position and comfortable for the entire night. And as of fall 2023, Lagoon launched their 100% Mulberry Silk pillowcases. It's cool to the touch, buttery soft, and great for your skin and hair. You've got to go check out this pillowcase if you want to feel great and look great every morning. Waking up for morning workouts has never felt better. I'm refreshed and pain-free thanks to my Lagoon pillow. To check it out for yourself, go to lagoonsleep.com forward slash performance and take the two-minute sleep quiz to find your perfect pillow match and then use the code PERFORMANCE for 15% off your first purchase. That's code PERFORMANCE at lagoonsleep.com forward slash performance, whole 15% off, and the link is in the show notes. You can just click through there. For decades, running shoes have been researched, tested and designed for men. Brands have relied on the shrink it and pink it approach to sell male shoes to female customers. That's why we are so excited to be working with Hedda's. Hedda's designs athletic footwear for women that elevates performance, safety, and style. Hedda's unlocks the science behind women's biomechanics through dedicated research, creates better shoes for women that support their longevity and performance, and establishes new design standards to promote transparency in a male-biased industry. Hedda's have a lower ankle collar to reduce rubbing, a breathable mesh toe box to allow for ventilation and to allow for female toe shape, a special kind of plate in the midsole to keep tired legs going, 
A narrow heel cup to reduce heel slippage and take the pressure off our Achilles, and a rounded instep to create a snug fit. Hedes has three shoe models designed for different sessions, the Alma Cruise for long runs, the Alma Tempo for training days, and the Alma Speed for pushing the pace. I've personally been running in the Alma Cruise and I love them. It's the shoe I always wanted and never knew I needed. The fit is perfect in every way. You can get your own pair of Hedas at Hedas.com and use the code FEISTY20 for 20% off. That's FEISTY20 at Hedas.com and it will all be in the show notes. Enough blabbing from me, let's hear from Taylor. Welcome to the Fuck Diet Culture keynote. Um, I know that this is a on-trend topic right now, diet culture. It's everywhere. We see it impacting women. We see it impacting sports women. So I'm really excited to dive in a bit deeper into this topic, give you my opinion on it, and kind of let you guys know too how diet culture has impacted my life um, personally and both athletically. So, all right. So a little bit about me. My name is Taylor Tracy. Um, and if I had to describe myself in three words, number one, I would say that I'm an athlete. So I played volleyball at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, graduated in 2016. So I'm somewhat of a recent grad. Um, and I also was a professional volleyball player. I played in the northernmost part of Finland, Kusumo, Finland. I will always be an athlete. That's a huge part of my identity, as I am sure it's a huge part of many people who are here identity as well. The second way I would describe myself is that I'm a founder. Uh, in 2018, I founded a nonprofit organization called the Virago Project. And what we do is we provide mental health resources for all sportswomen, high school, college, professional, retired. Um, so yeah, athlete, founder. And the third way I would describe myself as a person, and you're going to want to click through slowly through these. I'm going to give you guys a glimpse into my life. So very normal person. I have a boyfriend I love. The next picture, I love spending time with my family. That's my mom, who's Irish, by the way. Uh, next picture is my dad. And that's a, a photo after a game from a high school volleyball game. And um, the next photo is a picture of my friends. So I'm really big on living a full life. And I know that in the past, diet culture and the internalization of those messages have taken away a lot of these different identities that you see that are a part of me. It's taken away my fullness of life. It's it's held me back from starting an idea or a nonprofit. And it's even taken away from my athletic performance as well. So I want to do a quick little exercise with you guys. And maybe, um, Lindsay, what I'll do is just like whenever I need you to click, hopefully this is okay. I feel bad making you do this, but I'll just like do a little like a pop right there or something. Um, but with me, maybe you guys can do this with me. I want to rate body confidence, um, my personal body confidence, and you can do this for yourself too over the years. So I'm going to start with elementary school. All right. So this is a picture of me when I was a kid. Okay. And I was a pretty active kid. If I had to rate my body confidence when I was a kid, I would say it was good. I was not self-conscious. All I wanted to do was play on the play yard, like playground, do back handsprings. I was really into gymnastics. I was just an innocent kid. Diet culture hadn't seeped its way into my mind yet. All right. High school. If I had to rate my body confidence in high school, 
by the way, this is a picture from my first big volleyball, club volleyball tournament ever. And yes, I have braces there. Um, if I had to rate my body confidence during high school, I would still say that it was good. I was not focused on the aesthetic of my body. If I could change one thing about my body when I was in ninth grade, like in this picture, it would probably be I just wanted to jump higher and maybe I wanted a little bit bigger of a hand so I could block more balls at the volleyball net. That's it. All right, next picture. If I had to rate my body confidence on a scale of good to bad in college, then I would say that it was actually not so good. So in this picture, you see me after a point, if you if you know volleyball, this looks like a celebration kind of shot. And I think my teammate Taylor and I just scored. I look strong on the outside. I look healthy. I know our team at the time was ranked in the top 10 of all programs in the nation. But at this point, at my in my senior year of college, I started to struggle with orthorexia. I started to, to struggle with, and if you don't know what orthorexia is, it is kind of this obsession with clean eating and assigning moralities to foods. Um, and this was really the start of what ultimately turned into an eating disorder for me. And this eating disorder transferred from college into my professional career. Now, I don't have many pictures to share with you guys from my professional volleyball career because it was short. I only played for a season. And the reason why I decided to walk away from professional sports was not because I was injured. It wasn't because I wasn't invited back to a team or because I didn't have a future in playing pro volleyball. It was because even though in this picture I am, you can't see the rest of the court, but I am playing in a game all around. I was a key contributor to the team. I was struggling silently when no one was looking with bulimia and I could not go on and play professional sports while I was struggling with this eating disorder. So I ultimately ended up walking away. Now, before we get into the more informative bits of this uh, this keynote, I want to let you guys know where I am today and let you know ahead of time that this story does have an, a happy ending. Diet culture used to get to me, but now I have food freedom. I'm able to eat foods that I previously was, I previously deemed off limits. That's me eating fried foods. That's me enjoying Christmas cookies. That's me living a full life, being allowed to have a hot dog on National Hot Dog Day and not worry about how my body and, and beer, right? Like having craft beers and enjoying culture. Um, and, you know, I wish that I had this same freedom that I have now when I was an athlete, because if I did, then I don't think that I would be standing here in front of you today. In fact, I think that I would still be playing volleyball overseas right now. And when it comes to diet culture, we're about to hop right into this topic and how I feel about it. Education is everything. And so if I can just open up a conversation with someone about where diet culture comes from, have them start challenging the images and the messages that they're seeing, then maybe that can prevent another athlete from quitting their sport, or maybe it'll help another athlete it, uh, improve their performance. All right, so let's talk about thin idealism and America's beauty standards. We can't talk about diet culture without talking about thin, the thin ideal. 
So I love this quote from the Dove Self-Esteem Project. It says the best known environmental contributor to the development of eating disorders is the sociocultural idealization of thinness. Now, if you don't know what the thin ideal is, it's essentially the concept of the thin, slim female body, okay? And the common perception of this is very similar to what you see in this image here of the Victoria's Secret kind of frame, all right? It's a woman who possesses a slender, feminine physique with a small waist and a little bit of body fat. She's thought to be successful, happy, carefree, but disciplined and ambitious, and generally, like in society, people look at her like she has it all together. And I want to tell you from experience today, there was a time in my athletic career and in my life when I tried to achieve this beauty standard. And I want to let you know that sadly, a lot of people did look at me and think that I had it all together. But you know what else I had? An eating disorder, low confidence, and no one to talk to. All right, so I want to hop in and break down and challenge these beauty standards. All right, so this is my issue with it all, okay? And it's taken a long time for me to get here. So number one, it's patriarchal AF, all right? And if you don't know what patriarchy is, it's the system where men dominate and hold primary power over everything at the expense of others, Okay, and others are women, others are everyone who essentially are not heterosexual men. And patriarchy, it is a system that for women, it wants us to be small, it wants us to be submissive, it wants us to cater to this dominant male ego. I love this quote by MS Magazine that says diet culture is a tool of patriarchy because it keeps us fixated on diminishing ourselves because it's so right. Think about it. Diet culture is a tool that patriarchy looks at and it's like, ooh, what a perfect way to keep women working to make themselves smaller and keep them distracted and keep them trying to shrink themselves down. And, you know, while we're doing this, while women are trying to fit this mold and shrink themselves down, they're harming themselves physically and mentally because you can't shrink yourself down physically without shrinking yourself down mentally. My other issue with this patriarchal system and how diet culture plays into it is that it creates no space for the LGBTQ plus community. I mean, we're so big on inclusion today, but when it comes to our beauty standards, I always wonder where, where is the inclusion? Of course, LGBTQ plus community isn't, isn't thought about when we're talking about diet culture, because how could that possibly uh, serve the heterosexual male agenda? My second issue with diet culture, and this one hits close to home, is that it's racist and it's racially ignorant. I grew up in the 90s, partly in the early 2000s. And when I used to watch TV and look at ads, I found it really hard to find women of color who looked like me or who looked like my aunts um, or my friends in big publications and in big, picture, and in big uh, features. And I had to ask myself, like, where are the women of color? And today I know it's a little bit better, but sometimes I wonder why did it take so long for women of color to be included in mainstream beauty and lifestyle spaces? And even still that this inclusion is slowly starting to uptick, why are women in co of color who are included in these spaces 
Why are they still not receiving the same attention and notoriety as the white women? It's like diet culture tells us, okay, you have to be thin. You have to shrink yourself down. You have to be okay with being submissive. But on top of that, you have to be white. You have to be heterosexual. You have to be all these other things. Diet culture itself is not inclusive. My final issue with diet culture is that, and these beauty standards, is that it's totally inconsistent. Beauty standards change all the time. Hundreds of years ago, being voluptuous and, cur and curvy was in. Now it's the Kim Kardashian look, but with the flat stomach. And three years ago was the Victoria's Secret models that we saw on the previous slide, having that slender, thin frame. It's just impossible to constantly keep up with these expectations. And the thing is, is that all of this, again, is set up to distract women from things that matter. Sometimes I wonder what would happen if we spent less time trying to fit into these beauty standards and spent more time on things that matter to us, our sports, our relationships, our careers. What would happen? All right, so we can't talk about diet culture without talking about weight stigma and fat phobia. And if I had to just do a blanket statement of how I would define these things, I would say that weight stigma and fat phobia is the pathological fear of gaining weight and it's discrimination against fat people. And I'm gonna give you guys some real life examples of how I've seen this play out in athletics recently. So example number one, I, I had a girl um, I have a friend who plays volleyball in Europe whose coach asked her to lose weight, all right? Even though she's scoring amongst the highest scorers on her team, she's performing well. She's a volleyball player, um, and volleyball is not a weight-regulated sport. Her coach still wants her to lose weight. Why? Well, it's weight stigma. It's fat phobia. She, she's doing her job. Why are we forcing these athletes to change their bodies when they're performing the way that they should be. It doesn't make sense. The next example that I want to give you is of a young college athlete who actually DM'd our nonprofit and asked us to write a piece or to give her advice because she is an athlete, a softball player in a bigger body. And she needed a jersey that the equipment managers did not have because the manufacturers of the jersey did not create the size that she needed. And again, this is systematic weight, systemic weight stigma in athletics. The fact that these manufacturers can't even produce clothing for athletes in bigger bodies is permeating the fact that athlete or the idea that athletes should be small and somewhere between this like thin ideal versus like the cut, um, no body fat yet shredded athlete. It's very, very confusing. The next example I want to give is more of an ethereal example, but we see it all the time. And I just touched on it. Our society expects athletes to be shredded with hardly any body fat on them. When we know this is not the case, athletes come in all different sizes and shapes and nothing about the way an athlete looks really indicates whether or not they're able to perform their sport well. All right. Now we're going to dive into the media and the sports media and how it reinforces thin idealism and diet culture. You guys know this. We're constantly bombarded with images that market the thin ideal, even in sports. I mean, look at the athletes here in the pictures um, to the right of your screen. 
most of them are thin. Um, most of them fit this ideal athlete kind of build. And the thing is, is that advertisers and brands are backing it up. Again, the sports media is guilty. We have, for example, Paulina Gretzky here, just, just thin, able, bo thin, able body, white woman, traditionally attractive, posing in this sexual position that is permeating this thin ideal concept that we just went over. And even when it comes to the broadcasters, sports media has historically favored thin, white, heterosexual women. And when it comes to sport apparel brands, for the longest time, brands like, well, I'm not gonna say their names, but many sport, sport apparel brands were hiring out models like Victoria's Secret models to promote clothes that athletes would wear. It just doesn't seem right. And of course, we're constantly seeing sports networks and sports media and sports publications sexualizing sports women. So diet culture on one end, athlete expectations on the other. There's kind of a paradox going on here because diet culture teaches women to be small dainty and submissive, while sports have taught us to be strong, bold, lift heavyweights and be leaders. I've got a question for you. What happens when sportswomen are, feel the pressure to fit both of these molds? I'm gonna share with you guys some consequences that I've experienced when I have succumbed to diet culture. Some of these are extreme, some of these are more conceptual. So number one, I would say disordered eating and dieting. Disordered eating, dieting go hand in hand. This up and down yo-yo dieting, whenever we internalize these messages that we need to change ourselves, change our bodies. The other is just preoccupation and obsession with our weight and how we look, which as we mentioned before, it's so distracting. Overtraining and overexercising is a common symptom of the internalization of the thin ideal and eating disorders. This is something that I have firsthand experience with. On the physical side of things, we have low energy and low focus. Imagine trying to race when you're not fueled properly. Imagine how your performance would suffer. Injuries, your bone strength decreases, your risk for osteoporosis increases, your immune system decreases. Menstrual dysfunction, something that we see commonly in women's sports, we're taught that we like if we are missing our period, then we're quote unquote so fit. Actually, our period is a sign of health and vitality. And when we're missing our menstrual cycle, that means that's something seriously wrong and that we could be underfueled and our performance could suffer. And then relevant in energy deficiency. When we are not consuming enough energy, relative to the energy that we are exerting. And this causes all kinds of issues within our body. And not to mention the social isolation, isolation the self-esteem issues, the stress, the anxiety, and the depression that comes when we're constantly internalizing diet culture's messaging. So how can we protect ourselves as sportswomen and our athletic performance from diet culture? These are some tips that I've taken away after years of therapy and just trying to unlearn what I used to know. 
So number one, I would recommend monitoring your language. Avoid commenting on your body in front of others and never make comments about another person's body, even if you think it's a compliment. This is very important. Your words have the power to plant seeds in the minds of others. And if you think back to when we were rating our body confidence in the last several slides back, and I got to the college point, and I told you that up until, up until college, my body confidence was strong, and then something happened, it shifted. Well, I know that it was because a lot of the time my teammates and the other sportswomen around me were talking negatively about their bodies. And I had never heard that language before in my life. And year after year, comment after comment, that seed was planted and then it grew and it grew until it turned into me speaking that way about myself and thinking that way about others. And then it evolved into a full on eating disorder. Let's focus on gratitude. This is a great tool to protect ourselves from diet culture. Think about what your body does for you. It protects your organs. It keeps you alive. It takes you to places where you meet with friends. It helps you do your sports. Childbirth, we're women here. That's an amazing thing that our body can do for us. And in terms of the negative thoughts, well, this is my, this is my thought on the negative thoughts. Negative thoughts are gonna come, okay? And there's no reason why we shouldn't expect negative thoughts about our bodies to arise from time to time. But acknowledging those thoughts does not equate to succumbing to them. So whenever that thought comes into your mind when you're standing in front of the mirror in the morning or you're looking at a picture of yourself after a race or whatever it might be, think about what's crossing your mind and be like, okay, I don't have to take this thought one step further. I can just leave it there and acknowledge that it's there. I'm not perfect. This is a big one. Surround yourself with positive people who think positively about their bodies. This is everything. If you have friends who are involved in diet culture, maybe you should recommend this video to them. Or maybe you should try and talk to them gently and let them know that you don't want to participate in it. You know, making memories is fun, but worrying about food isn't. And I touched on this a little bit before, but living a purpose-driven life, living a full life that includes sports and relationships and beer and cookies and cake and all of those fun things and, per and, and balance, that's the life that I want to live. I don't want to live my life worrying about food or worrying about achieving these beauty standards that are going to harm me personally, mentally, athletically, emotionally. My last piece of advice for you is to seek help. There are so many professionals out there who could go dive so much deeper into all of the theory behind diet culture and can help you with whatever you're struggling with. I can't believe that I, it took me so long to reach out to a registered dietitian and to a psychologist to help me overcome my eating disorder. If I had done so sooner, again, I truly believe that I would still be playing my sport. And I truly believe that life would have been so much fuller for me and that I wouldn't have missed out on so much. So if you're thinking about asking for help, please seek professional help. And most importantly, know that you're not alone. Feisties, I hope you all enjoyed that as much as I did. 
My personal favorite things, my take homes were when she said to stop focusing on beauty standards and focus more on the things that actually matter in our lives. That was really powerful. Also the part about language and avoiding commenting on your own body. I love that she said your own body first. I think I've seen that around social media, like not to comment on other people's bodies, which is also very true but I think that internal dialogue on how we're talking to ourselves about our own physical presence in the world is the most important part and lastly I mean what can't be fixed with a good practice of gratitude and having gratitude for our bodies um, and the things that we can do with our bodies Um, I know that's something that I'm having to learn again and again as I get older as well and in order to keep to do things that I want to do, I have to keep doing them and practicing them every day. So finding that gratitude, really important. So thanks once again to Taylor Tracy. You can find The Virago Project on Instagram at The Virago Project or online at viragoproject.org. Next week, I have a very feisty interview lined up for you, so I hope you will tune in then. These episodes drop every Monday. Please make sure that you subscribe on your podcast app. Give us a review. It really does help us rank. Um, Share this with your friends. Screenshot it straight from your podcast app and share it and tag me and I will love you forever. Ask me questions at sarah.gross on Instagram or at feisty underscore media and we will do our very best to answer your questions all about the podcast or the things you're hearing on the podcast. That's it from me for this week. So in the meantime, go out and create an empowering culture for every active woman. And I'll see you next week. As a lifelong runner and triathlete turned CrossFitter, I am stoked to announce that the athletic eyewear brand Tofosi Optics has joined us as a partner here at Feisty Media. Tofosi sports glasses hit all the marks for athletes. They are shatterproof poly bicarbonate, so the lenses not only reduce glare, but also offer scratch resistance, which I 100% need. They stay in place when you are moving. The hydrophilic rubber nose pads actually get more grippy the more you sweat, so they are secure and don't slide down your face even when you're running in hot conditions. No matter what sport you do, Tofosi has shades for you. Whether you love tennis, fishing, pickleball, running, cycling, or just hanging out on the beach. They are super reasonably priced, which I love, so I can have multiple pairs that go with any outfit. And of course, feisty listeners get a special discount. So head on over to tofosioptics.com and use the code FM20. FM as in feisty media to get 20% off your order. That's FM20 at tofosioptics.com. I'll put a link in the show notes to make it easy for you. Endurance sports should be accessible to everyone, right? That's why we are so excited to be partnering with Motive. Motive is one of the fastest growing training apps in the world today with thousands of amateur athletes signing up every month and a nearly perfect 4.9 star rating in the app store. You are not a template and your training plan should not be either. 
prepare for running races, triathlons, cycling events, duathlons, or swim runs, however your season schedule shapes up, and get training written by some of the best coaches in the world in each discipline who know what it takes to help amateur athletes reach their goal on race day. The app takes the training written by those experts and then creates the most optimal training plan for your schedule, abilities, and goals. Plus, the training is fully customized to your race schedule. How much you can train each week, your current abilities, and the goals you want to achieve in your race. You can use the app for free as long as you want or get all the upgraded features from the app for just $19.99 a month. But as a feisty listener, you can sign up at mymotive.com and use the code FEISTY for two months of full premium access. That's right, you get two months of premium for free. So you quite literally have nothing to lose. So head over to mymotive.com, M-Y-M-O-T-T-I-V.com and use the code FEISTY, F-E-I-S-T-Y. And on a personal note, I know the founder of Motive and he is driven to make triathlon and all endurance sports more accessible for the athletes who care about their performance, but who aren't quite ready for a full-time personal coach. If that sounds like you, definitely try the app for two months for free. You literally have nothing to lose. Building muscle can be tough and gains can be so slow, even for those of us who do a lot of strength training. As an ex-endurance athlete who is now in perimenopause, I know this all too well. It can be frustrating to put in the time in the gym and not see the results I'm looking for. That's why it's super important to take the right supplements at the right time. One of those supplements is essential amino acids, which are needed to trigger muscle protein synthesis. Muscle protein synthesis happens when you eat high quality protein, like eggs or whey. And by supplementing with additional essential amino acids, you can make sure you are getting the full benefit of your training sessions. Targeted essential amino acid formulas can be up to four times more effective than just eating protein. I've been taking amino acids for almost a year, and in combination with eating quality protein and a couple other supplements, I have managed to turn the tides on age-related muscle loss, which starts at 30 for women, by the way, and I have continued to make strength gains as I head towards 50. AminoCo has been a longtime sponsor of Feisty Media and has supported all of our brands and podcasts over the years. I recommend starting with AminoCo Perform, and you can grab some at aminoco.com forward slash performance. If you enter the code performance, you will save 30% and receive a free gift if it is your first purchase. Give it a try and let me know how it goes. That's aminoco.com forward slash performance and use the code performance to save 30%. 